0: I, I mean, it was like, I had it in college. I didn't have it like when we were actually playing the, you know, during its actual life cycle. Um,
1: we were, we were in college together, Scott. I just,
0: I, oh, I've been in grad school. Yeah. Grad school. Yeah. There you go. I've known you for a long time. Yeah. yeah it's all good. It was a dumb story. Never mind. I had one. I didn't like it.
1: welcome to rated nav podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com this is episode number 296 and uh i am your host matt
0: and i'm scott
1: and i'm ash and uh, we're all here again we're gonna we're gonna do some chatting yeah. talk about some stuff
0: good good morning good afternoon good
1: morning and good afternoon and a good evening to those listening feasibly yeah yeah
0: absolutely (laughs) that's nice it
1: feels good to be back
2: guys yeah actually listened to our last episode and i'm like we haven't lost the mojo completely we're
1: still okay at this (laughs) completely not all of the mojo
2: not all of the mojo yeah
1: just real quick i wanted to this this is an aside that has nothing to do with anything nerdy quote unquote or us i Mm -hmm. guess a little bit nerdy but we watched my like improv team was over the other night we were going to play pandemic and stuff Mm -hmm. and uh we watched the first episode of Planet Earth 2. Have you guys watched this yet?
0: No. No, no.
1: Oh my god. We were like screaming at the TV. There was a part where there was, sorry, very unprofessional. There was a part where <laughs> <laughs> There's a part where there's these like lizards that are born in rocks and then like they have to make this like run across the rocks to these bigger rocks and when the, to when they're born. Mm-hmm. And when they do it, and this is no exaggeration, Hundreds of snakes pour out of the rocks and try to eat the lizards. Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's absolutely fucking terrifying. And we were all on the couch, like screaming at the TV, like for the lizards to make it. And then, uh, and I won't ruin the scene, you know, one makes it, a couple don't. And then there's a fourth one where you're like just rooting it on. All I will tell you is that at one point, I turned off the TV (laughs) and felt so bad that I turned it back on because I had to finish it because I was like, I, I have to know. What what happens?
0: what happens to these lizards?
1: <laughs> it is, Man, but why would you have babies in a pile of rocks where hundreds of snakes will pour out? It makes no, there's no sense to it at all. Man,
2: there's there's <laughs> so much to what you just said about the world. Why would you have babies? <laughs> why would you have babies when there's so snakes <laughs> in a snake-filled place? Yes. Uh, Anyways, it was I just, do need to watch a... that. I actually have seen pics of that lizard running with all the snakes jumping out and I, yes. I Didn't see the whole thing in context,
1: but I saw that clip and was like, holy lord That poor lizard you should use it as an excuse to get a 4k TV because in 4k it feels even more terrifying <laughs> oh, Man, I think that'll go well with my wife. There's this lizard <laughs> video
2: <laughs>
0: It's really hey, good. That's the that's the, yeah, it's that's the killer app that sells the television is lizards yeah. jumping across a snake infested pit of rocks
1: I mean, yeah. to be honest, there are worse things than Planet Earth uh, for 4K sales. You know, like no, you... this 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 shit looks uh, gorgeous. I still don't understand mm-hmm. how they get any of the shots. Like, <laughs> you're watching it, and you're like, "Where are they in this scenario?" <laughs> like, yes, there's shots with cameras down where the snakes are like pouring out of the rocks, and you're like, "What did you do? How did any of this happen?" <laughs> like,
0: uh, that's amazing. That's not good stuff. So they hired lizards. on this week's show we are going to we'll catch up on the news of the week there was some gaming news from this past week um and then with our i guess if we have time left over we might talk about shield we might talk about hand of fate 2 and runaway season one and maybe shadow of war does that sound good that sounds good cool um should we should we just get should we get right into the news yeah
2: Uh, I wanted to talk about this because this is something that I'm kind of excited about, but at the same time, it's a little problematic, and I just kind of wanted to um, see how you guys felt about it. Um, Overwatch League started. I think the idea is awesome. For those that don't know, um, Overwatch League is something we talked about in the past. It just kicked off last week. It's, uh, I think, uh, 12 teams right now, it, all based out of the United—not not all based out of the United States. So there's a uh, Shanghai team. Um, I want to say there is a Korea team too, but most of the teams are in the U S and they are permanent franchises that play uh, overwatch professionally in a league. It's set up similar to, you know, major league baseball or the NFL where, you know, cities have their own teams and everyone's supposed to root for their team. And,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um, and I, I think uh, in, I said this before on the show, but I think the idea is, is smart. I think it's brilliant. It allows people to kind of rally behind, um something bigger than just uh you know a privately owned franchise um but i i you know the the game started this week and they've been super good like orlando actually has a team called the mayhem it's actually florida it's like florida mayhem but it's based out of miami and orlando which i don't really understand but um it's just
0: florida like every other teams have cities associated with them but yeah florida's team just says florida
2: just says florida right there's some yeah. weird
0: stuff like that like
2: yeah. um like yeah so florida we, we don't get our own yeah. <laughs> we're just the whole state lump everybody together uh florida lost all their games by the way so uh, no but, yeah we lost everything <laughs> okay. imagine that right yeah. we lost we lost all of our games but i mean i guess the thing that bothered me watching like because i'm not a huge esports watcher mm-hmm. um so i kind of just started watching during overwatch league and had it on the background and i thought it was really well produced really well done uh Fun to watch, but there were some issues that I kind of stumbled across, and I realized like everybody playing was like that I saw play was like a white dude that looked like they were under twenty five years old. Ah. um and it dawned on me that, okay, well, maybe the skill set for professional uh you know FPS games, like that's like right now the best players in the world are that demo. But then I started like researching and looking around, and I really honestly don't think that's the case. There's, um, you know, a very famous Korean player who's um, the best Zarya tank in the world and has like an insane win rate in like the upper seventy percent, just like super super high. She's uh, wonderful at the game. She's not on any professional team. Was she the Uh, person
0: who like, like two other male uh, professional Overwatch players were like, if you're not cheating, we'll retire. From the game entirely yes yeah. yeah that
2: was last year yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: um and she's not on any of these teams and no female players are on any of these teams and like i, I didn't want to you know get into some big discussion about gender and esports but it really kind of uh bugged me because i would have loved to have seen uh now that i'm watching them i want to see more diverse players and i want to know more about their respective stories as human beings rather than just um you know their stats and things of that nature sure. and i know that's something i'm not also not a big professional sports uh watcher but you guys as professional sports watchers that's something they do a lot of right they talk about the players stories and interview the players and and kind of get to know them right
1: yeah that's They'll usually do like like pieces on like a specific player you know like you won't know every player on the team but they'll like focus out on one or two people who have like some kind of like heartwarming human tale that they can tell and right and and not dramatize, but like you know show off or whatever
0: yeah and usually usually for televised games especially for nfl games they try to um establish a narrative for the game even if it's like a pretty loose one you know so they'll be like oh this quarterback used to play on this team and he's now coming back to play the team that he used to be on or whatever um and yeah whether or not the actual players on the field care about that is neither here nor there but for the broadcast they'll still you know they'll still try to connect the dots for you and, and try to explain, you know, why this game might be interesting to you, even if the game on paper is going to be like a stinker. So yeah, yeah it's right, absolutely, right. absolutely the case.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think they are trying to do a bit of that. I don't want to make it sound like they're not trying to give the players, you know, personality and, and add weight to the matches. Cause they are, I just think it's, um, for me as like an, an old dude, I would have loved to have seen just a diverse, crew of people like not unlike dodgeball yeah, <laughs> it's sure. like crazy ass people yeah. that all play the game they don't necessarily have to be like the best of the best i'd rather just have a, a super interesting diverse group of people to watch kind of go through this process but i understand like some people just want literally like the upper tier but it begs the question like well do the people that are perhaps older or are female or um are don't fit into this you know young male demographic are they having the same chance to uh actually excel and get to the point where these these other players are because all these guys come from professional teams prior to this they're not just like kind of picked out of picked out of the blue so i don't know i mean that's just something watching it like as an old dude i would have liked to have seen yeah um in general, I think it's super cool. I think it's great. I I really hope that other games in the future kind of adopt this formula because uh, it is well put together. It's fun right now in the opening weeks. There's like a couple of matches every night. You get to kind of like root for your home team if you want. See do, what they, the-
0: do they play like in their own cities? Like does the Florida so- team have an arena in Florida where they play?
2: So right now, no. Right now, there's only one arena, the Blizzard arena that all the teams are playing in. I think uh, in the future, the plan is to have the the teams all have their own little arena in yep. their hometowns That's that you cool. can go to and cheer them on. But right now there's only one. Um and to be honest, uh maybe one of our listeners can fill me in on this. I don't even know if the teams are actually practicing in their the areas that they are supposed to be from. Cause like I don't think anybody from Florida mayhem is actually from Florida. And that goes with all of like, you know, all the teams. And same yeah. with professional football teams. Like so they're re- all drafted drafted from all over the place but really it's know? just
0: when they say florida that just means that somebody in florida paid for the franchise in order to have a an overwatch team Yes. and they recruited players to the team for whatever reason also what's up with these rosters the florida team has six players on it other teams have yeah. 10 or 12 eight. Um, yeah
2: yeah some of those guys um uh, the, the the they're alternates and they can fill multiple roles um but some of the some of the guys like they just like all they play are tanks or all they play are healers. Um It's interesting. Like I think I don't know if there's uh, a set limit right now, but you obviously have to s- split your winnings with however many people. Yeah, are I'm on just your saying team. the rosters
0: aren't even balanced. Like you know, in the yeah, NFL, it's, it's for weird. example, you, there's every team has the same number, number of people. players on it. 50. Yeah, like right. 53. Well, I, I think, mean, yeah. you, <clears> you'll 53. still
2: have the yeah, you know, you'll still have the the same in an Overwatch match. It's not like you get a of bonus course. player. Or but like I'm that. saying, but you yeah. can.
0: But if one guy breaks yeah. his leg or something, then who, you know, who takes his place, right? There's only right. one. There's that's one actually, alternate if one that, person is that's sick. That's
1: actually a thing I was going to bring up about the difference between esports and professional. The I think the one nugget that that is terrible, but also that football and baseball have is that, let's say a guy gets injured in the middle of the game or, or even right before a game or whatever it is, like there's always this weird chance that the young kid who's stepping into that role is going to be just like exceptionally good that no one's ever heard of them before. You know, like there's, mm-hmm. that's like the, that's where the drama comes from. A lot of times like these, it's all made up and it's all like, it's not made up, but it's all like overhyped by the, by the league to force these like narratives on stuff. And I don't, how does eSport, I don't think, is it possible to have stuff like that in eSport? I, I feel like it's like teams once they're set, like, yeah, I think well, that's sort of the flu. You're pretty much going to be there all day long, right? Like,
2: yeah, yeah, I think that's the case. And I think, you know, sometimes they do rotate out um, players based on one thing or another, but never once the match has started, that's never like a like a guy won't like sprain his finger and be like, oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> time out <laughs> <Like> dragged off. <laughs> but like a but like a like, a, I guess what I'm saying is like a, a nobody can't appear out of nowhere, right? Like, I mean, we're, like if you follow esports, you're going to likely know all the people before they show up at the top of the list. Absolutely.
2: And to those people that like follow esports that are listening to this, they probably want to punch me oh, in the face probably now. Probably cringing. And, yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. sure we're
1: ruining everything. I, I, I apologize.
2: Yeah, but uh, I'm just saying, as a layman, I think this is fantastic. There are some things I don't like. Like I said, I'd love to see more diversity um, just in general. Yeah. Uh, but the way it's presented is cool. It's very accessible. You can go into Battle.net and you can load up all the matches that have already happened. You can watch them all or you can watch them in real time. They're all streamed on Twitch to have something to the effect of like like, uh, I watched one live on Twitch the other day. There was like 600,000 people watching just a live, yeah. which is a lot for, for eSports. So uh, good stuff. Definitely check out Overwatch League. Let us know what you think. Hopefully your team – I think, Matt, your team right now is doing well. Uh, the New York Excelsior. I don't think you've it been is, defeated. Uh, it's an all-Asian team too. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah looks looks that way. Yeah. Uh. Uh, <laughs> i will say that the the florida mayhem totally look like a bunch of like white florida kids <laughs> like <laughs> like beards and like pot bellies and just like <laughs> they're like totally just look like hey you want to go to Seven Eleven and get Slurpee sure dude like it's just I like think, that la gets two teams i yeah. don't know LA I getting if in you're rich teams. enough you can buy your own franchise yeah there it is anyway so this is the first year twelve teams. We'll see where it goes from here. I hope it continues, uh, just because it's a cool thing and in the world of video games. I think we need more new things, and this is definitely a new thing. So I'm glad it's the thing that's happening. So cool. Uh, do you guys want to talk about Cyberpunk? There's not much news. It's just I just uh, want to know
1: what the tweet was. What did they tweet? They tweeted beep, B E E E. That's it. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. And this
2: made the news. So CD Projekt Red uh, had a Twitter account for Cyberpunk 2077. They haven't tweeted on it in four years, nothing. Yeah. And then the other day they tweeted Beep. Uh, and people are losing their minds because they realize that, okay, well, this year we might actually get some news on Cyberpunk 2077. So uh, I this
1: was the year they said release, right? Three years ago or whatever. They were
2: like, I believe they did. Um, one thing I did read about this that I thought was really cool that I think you'll like a lot, Matt, is apparently, excuse me, apparently there's, um, language chips in the game that you can get, uh, for your character. And Mm -hmm. when you encounter NPCs in the game, they'll actually be speaking their native language and you actually have to get chips to translate, um the language that they're speaking and the quality Ooh. of the chip that you buy will actually translate it better. So if you get like a super high quality chip, you'll understand everything fluently. But if you get like a, you know, a budget radio shack piece of shit, you'll just hear like <laughs> broken broken English, I guess, which I just that's thought awesome. was really innovative and really cool. So if that's any indication um as to the the depth of this game, I think we're all going to be very happy.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, I uh, think really uh, promising. Yeah, that sounds Awesome. I'm. I'm just. I just want it. I don't care. And whenever they want to release it. Oh yeah. Even. I just got out of an open world game, and I'm sure this is another one. But whatever. I'm ready whenever it comes the next year or two years, whatever. So.
2: Yeah. They also went on on record saying like, yeah, fuck, uh, fuck uh, loot boxes and stuff like that. CD oh, Projekt Red basically came right on record and was like, no, we're not doing that shit. We're not doing any loot boxes. Like our game's just going to be our game, and
0: and you're all going to buy it. That's true. <laughs> and they're right. Yeah, it is true. All right, Nintendo Direct did a Nintendo Direct Mini um, in the last week. I think it was on the I want to say it was on the 11th, where they basically just made a bunch of announcements about things that are coming uh, in the next few months or year. I just wanted to highlight a couple of things that might be relevant to our interests. They're adding um, Donkey Kong to Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which is a fantastic turn-based strategy game that I recommend everyone get if you have a switch if you're a fan of like XCOM and games like that that's um what Mario and Rabbids is and it's really fun um they're adding some DLC to Super Mario Odyssey uh including a Luigi Balloon Hunt which i guess is just some other bizarre game mode to an already pretty bizarre game <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is exciting and then they're doing some uh ports as well so they're going to be releasing a Definitive edition of Hyrule Warriors, which is like the, what was it? Like the Dynasty Warriors, you know, Zelda style game uh, with all of the DLC will be included. Uh, I believe that is, I don't think they have a date for that, but the original Hyrule Warriors like released like a poop ton of DLC, you know, like obviously you can imagine different characters and character skins and stuff like that. Right. Um, so that will be coming out on the Switch uh, along with Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, which is a Wii U game as well. And I think of all the things in there, they, you know, obviously there are some, uh, they announced some, uh, Japanese like RPG type games, uh, but that's not really our wheelhouse. So I won't talk about that, but, um, that's, what's coming out for Nintendo. I mentioned the things that I'm kind of excited about. So, uh, I would be interested in checking out that Hyrule Warriors. Um, I knew there was going to be a ton of DLC for that game. And that was kind of the barrier for not getting it in the first place. Right. Right. Uh, on the Wii U. So, um, you know, every if you've played a Dynasty Warriors game, like you've played all Dynasty Warriors games, right? And they're all just kind of, um, you know, it's just like you turn your brain off and just cut through tons of enemies. And it's just kind of a fun, a fun thing to do. Uh,
2: yeah. I like a good brawler like I'm you know that's the reason why I was such a big advocate for the the infinity games especially the 3.0 games it's like I I just love you know a good a good arcade style beat 'em up like that's all I grew up playing in the arcades were like you know the x-men game and ninja turtles and then at home like bad dudes and streets of rage so like I love brawly type games mm-hmm. um uh and you know I, I I like even ones like bayonetta which is coming to um I guess, wasn't there some Bayonetta news with this as well? Like they're well, bringing Bayonetta 2? I,
0: to- I think you can, I don't know if it's out now, but you can pre-order or purchase um, Bayonetta 2 for the Switch. And some versions of it come with a, um, like a digital code for Bayonetta 1. But both of those games, again, were also available on the Wii U in the same in the same format. And I believe there is a Bayonetta 3 um, that is coming to Nintendo Switch, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, yeah. Um, Brawlers are fun. That like that game, I think Bayonetta in particular kind of falls under that category of, you know, needing to master combos and like specific right. timings and button presses and things like that. um But yeah, all brawlers, like all fun stuff, just kind of like turn off and play. It's,
2: it's awesome to play on the go too. You know, switches yeah. would be great for that. So yeah,
0: yeah, I'm still still liking my Switch as well. So it's nice to see that things are coming out. I mean, I feel like they almost have to release. Some of these games from the Wii U, just because of the sales of the original Wii U game, it's kind of like, you know, every every console does this in a new generation. Like, old right. games will be re-released. Um, but in the case of the Wii U, it's like they almost have to put these games out so people will see them, right? Because obviously, right, yeah. a game like Tropical Freeze was probably really good because Donkey Kong uh, platformers are traditionally pretty solid and, and quite difficult um, as far as platformers go. So... That's exciting. Oh, speaking of, this is not in the news, but speaking of re-releases, did you guys see that they are doing a remastered version of Assassin's Creed Rogue for um, current gen?
2: I did see that, and I thought of you instantly. Yes. You were going to yeah, be that. very excited.
0: Yeah, I've I've tooted the horn of Assassin's Creed Rogue ever since we saw it back at PAX. Um, And I think the thing that was striking about that it was because it was so unexpected. Because I remember that we made a press appointment to go see Assassin's Creed Unity, and we had fun playing that game and then as we were kind of wrapping things up over there i remember on a like a little tiny tv set up in the corner of the room they're like hey you guys want to check out assassin's creed rogue and uh we were like sure we'll give it a shot and then i watched i think asha watched you play it and what we saw was incredible uh because it came right at the end of the 360 cycle and they really squeezed out like all of the power of that machine you know humanly possible to create what i thought was a pretty great twist on a um you know it's basically in the setting of like assassin's creed 3 but in the style of black flag in my opinion because there's a lot of ship combat and stuff like that so if you're excited for you know uh ubisoft pirate game that's coming out at some point then i think rogue (laughs) would definitely be um relevant to your interest and it also tells a story within the assassin's creed universe that is unlike any of the other stories because it questions sort of the the motives and the actions of of the Assassins' order. So, as the name may suggest, of the game. So, I feel like the Assassin's
2: Creed franchise needs like a Kevin Feige type person, like a guy who's like, look, I I know Assassin's Creed, and I'm just gonna like get all the teams together, or we're gonna streamline everything and make it all make sense. And um, uh, because I mean, I, I I I'm still kind of dabbling in uh, Origins, and yes. I like it a lot, but I also feel like. The the future stuff, which I was never a huge fan of, which you were, is just so like so not a part of the story. Well, it's (laughs) in
0: Origins. It's very much it's. I think they may have done this the right way because the meta in the game is like hidden, and I think it's really only meant to be found by people that actually care about it. And so you could play through Origins and never really get into the meta, and just enjoy Bayek's story, and then you'll be satisfied when you complete the game. Right. And like, that will be your experience. Um, I spent a lot of time last night looking for some of the um, oddities in, in the game universe. And I was kind of pleased with what I found, but as I was doing, I was like, Oh, people are not going to go looking for this stuff if they don't care about it, which is totally fine. Um, And since you brought up Assassin's Creed, I I was going to also kind of quickly mention that I think that what I like about origins, which I think is a little different than, some of the other games is I feel like there are a lot of, you know, what we call quiet moments in the game where the character does a lot of reflecting on his family, like his relationship with Aya and um, and his son in the game, which I think kind of makes it, I don't know, the game kind of has more of a human feel to it, even more so than, you know, the tale of the siblings in, um, you know, in the, in the game prior. So um, I think that's interesting as well. Yeah,
2: it's good stuff. I mean, like I, you know, I was blown away by Origins, but I kind of got swallowed up by the uh, by the open worldiness of it. So I I need I need to go back, dude. It's It's huge.
0: It took me like I rode around the game, not in real time, but you know, I would teleport when I could. But just riding across the desert, like I spent like minutes, hours, just riding through different parts of the map. The map is huge, but there's not always something there. But I think the the expansiveness of the desert is sort of meant to intimidate you or you know make it feel like it's large and you are sort of alone in the universe it
2: is is huge though man because like i remember i played i don't know i was like six seven hours in and then i like finally just got to looking at the mini map and i had like uncovered two of like the 20 squares of the mini map and i was like oh my god yeah
0: but the thing (laughs) is is like the ones that are the ones on the map that say desert are literally desert you know what i mean yeah and yeah, like yeah, there true. might be like one or two encounters in the desert and otherwise you're just riding through the desert and it's like, what the heck, you know, but I, yeah. I understand why it's there functionally, like to sort of make you feel like you're very small in the universe, which is, which is cool. Uh, You ready to move on? Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> just some quick Xbox news. I wanted to give a quick games with gold update since we're in the middle of the month and they change over two of the titles um in the middle of the month. So on Xbox one, You can get the game Zombie, which used to be called, originally was Zombie U for the Wii U. It was a launch title, uh, Ubisoft published game. Now they just took out the, uh, you know, the controls and just made it a traditional controller game. And it's called Zombie now, so that you can get that on Xbox One. And then the game that is available for Xbox 360 and obviously is backwards compatible um, to Xbox One is Army of Two, which a game... Uh, Matt and I played the poop out of yeah. uh, when it came out and had a really great time. It's definitely a co-op buddy shooter game you know if you've ever played like a Kane and Lynch um, Army 2 is the same idea really meant to be played with um, two humans because the AI teammate is not always awesome when you're trying to get them to, to do things that game really emphasized uh, distracting people with cover fire and you know the, mm-hmm. while the other per- person does like flanking maneuvers and stuff like that which is why you need two people to play it but Super fun game, um, also recommended. And then, of course, you can still get uh, Van Helsing 2 on Xbox One and Tomb Raider Underworld on Xbox 360, I think, until... Oh, Tomb Raider goes away today. and then So you'll just have Van Helsing. And then, I guess, in February, we'll get new stuff. Uh, So that's that. Good stuff, yeah. And then the last bit of Xbox news is that um, it surfaced on, I think, Twitter this week that the original Xbox controller is going to be available for the xbox one which um which was called the duke because of its its size (laughs) it's massive it It is is a humongous controller and the button layout was like so weird remember they put the Mm -hmm. the uh what 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 would traditionally be known as the start and select buttons are like above the regular face buttons the xyab buttons which is kind of weird too so like um I don't remember.
1: Did you you look at this? What they're doing with this controller, though, and why?
0: No, no. What's the story? So
1: it's apparently the original designer of the Xbox Mm -hmm. is is helping to put this controller out or whatever. But the the main giant gem in the middle, that giant Xbox logo that was on the original one, is going to be an LED screen that plays the Xbox original startup screen.
0: Nice. That like <laughs>
1: that weird interior green interior machine thing yep. that it had yeah of course yes. so it'll play that when you when you kick it on and and use it that's
0: like, crazy i think unless you really have an affinity for this controller it would probably just make like a nice conversation i have an affinity piece.
1: for it like injuring my hands while i was using it to play halo forever
0: or whatever yeah yeah i remember good times i used to, i had i had an xbox for a time uh did you, you? no not like when it came out but i i had acquired one. Um, for a while, and like that, that was the controller that came with it. and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, like this is insane." Um, I'm glad remember, they I'm glad they put yeah, out the smaller. I I mean, it was like I had it in college. I didn't have it like when we were actually playing the, you know, during its actual life cycle. Um, we
1: were we were in college together, Scott.
0: I just I, oh, I'm <laughs> in grad school. Yeah, grad school. Yeah, there you go. I've known you for a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> It was a dumb story, never mind. I had one, I didn't like it, but someone's <laughs> gonna like it. You can buy one in a couple months.
1: Was like I was probing to get more information about when you had it, and you kept like sidestepping it, like you stole it from the mafia or something. He may have. He may have.
0: Oh, just a, I mean, a, a a friend in grad school gave it to me because he did not want it anymore, and then I looked at it for a while and I was like, I don't know why I have this, and I eventually got rid of it as well. So
1: yeah it was just funny yeah (laughs) i'm like but i knew you then and Mm -hmm. you're like yeah but i just i got it's just i had it i had i acquired one and that's all i don't want to say anything more about (laughs) it it." fell off
0: the back of a truck you know
1: I'm Ashley Birch, and you're listening to the Rated N.A.
2: podcast at nerdappropriate.com. Hey, Matt. Hey. Did you enjoy and watch The Runaways? I did enjoy and watch
1: The Runaways. Did you enjoy and watch The Runaways?
2: <laughs> I did, much more than I thought I was going to. And I say that a lot yeah. on this show, because I, I I've noticed that in my old age, I think everything's going to be terrible. So when it's good, I'm like, something was good again. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so, uh, Runaways is available now in its entirety on Hulu. So if you're a Hulu subscriber, this is Marvel's first Hulu, uh, Hulu show, which I was a little apprehensive about because they don't have the same track record as Netflix or even really ABC for that matter. So I was like, well, what's Hulu going to do? Um, well, let's talk about some of the things that Hulu did that network television couldn't do is that, that you can swear on the Runaways. Yeah, uh, which, which I was like happy with because these are a bunch of teenagers that are in high school and they're going to swear. So yeah. they're swearing. I don't think there's any F-bombs, but there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of shits, a lot of, uh, shits.
0: Hmm.
2: a lot of shits in the show, which I was happy about. But um, basic run, rundown if you're on the fence about what The Runaways is um, without spoiling. I guess do you want to do spoiler and then spoil, spoiler free and then spoilers for the last couple
1: minutes. Uh, or you just want to do spoiler free? Let's try it spoiler free first, and then. Okay, we'll wait. try
2: it. So, um, Runaways is it just
1: a... finished? Like episode ten
2: just it, happened last it's week. That's true. That's so. true. Uh, based on a comic book by Brian K. Vaughn. who like uh, later, I think the second arc was uh, was done by Joss Whedon. Uh, really fun comic that was out. I don't know, maybe ten years ago at this point. It's been yeah, a while. Early two thousands. Um, But it's cool. It's about a a bunch of kids that grew up together that uh, sort of drifted apart and then they kind of come to realize that their parents are not who uh, they claim to be and they sort of uh, unify in discovering the mystery of who their parents really are and in the process um, some of them end up getting superpowers and um, gain access to cool technology and uh the use of magic and so the kids sort of slowly gradually over time become heroes themselves um and it's called the runaways because they end up running away from home together and kind of go on the lam together so it's these teenagers that are not only trying to stop their parents but also trying to figure out their own abilities
1: and um what to do with their lives kind of like teenage avengers yes like teenage cw avengers if you will because like it's not all mutants. You know, I think I think we tend to look at uh the these TV shows that are coming out with the exception of I guess Daredevil. I feel like because of how big X-Men was, everything kind of gets related to mutants. It's like the easy one-to-one that you can do with superpowers, you know. Right. And for these this is not like an X-Men V2 tale of teenagers trying to figure out their powers. It's really like all of them are you know each a couple of them have like actual like crazy superpowers one of them's learning magic and one's like a science guy one's just one kids just really smart <laughs> <laughs> Yeah and i kept laughing about that the whole time we're like so he's just really smart <laughs> you're talking about alex yeah
2: yeah alex and you're just like yeah he doesn't really have any and he was the same in the comics too i was like man he got the short end of the stick like he doesn't do anything he's, he's just like, like i
1: know computers <laughs> like, yeah he's like
2: his... a smart kid that hangs out with the rest of them that all have like one girl has a telepathic link to a raptor which yeah. i just love like her name's gert and but, they but, end up okay. later on yeah go ahead go
1: ahead no you go ahead i do no, see yeah. later
2: on they... They go by uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, or like their superhero names. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, that's just such a fun, innovative, like, because yeah. she's sort of like this cool, like, kind of punky riot girl character and ends up getting like this raptor that she can control that's like her pet and her friend. And uh, I was like, there's no way they'll ever do that in a TV show. And yeah. they did
1: it. And like, especially the last two episodes of the season. They did it really well. Like, Yeah, I actually, the first time they showed the Raptor, which was like episode one or two, it was pretty early. Um, I was a little like, oh no, are the effects really bad? Because <laughs> there was like a shot of the Raptor like running out or something that just did it looked very like sci-fi 10 years ago, special effects, and not necessarily like current day. And I, I got like a little worried because I was like, I can't watch this Raptor if it's going to look like bad, you know, placed CG And then for the rest of the series, I was like, oh, they did a great job with it. Like, he looks awesome. And most of the special effects, even they're not all giant special like set pieces, but um, even like the wand, you know, like just little things that that look good and the lighting looks good and everything kind of like works on it. And it doesn't feel weird when you're looking at it like it's detached from everything that's going on. So I
2: agree. Like uh I read some stuff about the the Raptor 2 and from what I understand it's like both practical. So they have like a practical raptor that they bring the around. One of, the one that was I don't think this is spoilery. The one that is was Is it the ET shot? Yeah, that,
1: that <laughs> I I thought that was practical. Like I was like, I, that looks practical.
2: I think he probably was. They just shoved a, a raptor
1: inside of a shopping cart and wheeled him around. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um but yeah, so overall the the I really enjoyed this and I, I would give it two main reasons that I think I enjoyed it. One is it does not feel like every other Marvel show that's out. Like it it is a unique take, I think, on even even including the uh, gifted or or agents of shield or anything like that. This show feels unique in its kind of sensibility and tone. And I really, really liked that. Like it's comedic in the right ways. It's it's got I mean it, it is definitely CWE, you know, like I'm sure I didn't watch uh River River
0: Riverdale.
1: Riverdale? That's the one. Yeah, But I assume it probably matches up to Riverdale in certain ways without without even having watched it just because it, it is a teenage high school kind of drama show. Um but I thought the sense of humor was really good. I thought the sensibility was good. And then the other thing that I really liked is that it feels uniquely part of the Marvel universe, but also isn't trying to like I don't think they name drop, you know, Sarkovia or whatever. Ultron's city bomb thing was like once. Like, I don't think at any point did they put some weird ham fisted relationship to the movies into this show. It's just kind of like this show. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know, when I was 17 or 16, and I think one of the girls is probably supposed to be like 14 or 15, even when I was that age, like, I wasn't sitting around talking about. (laughs) <laughs> like, national news. all the, you know, Like, I don't know. like yeah, true. No, you were true. wrapped into your own little dramas, and you were doing whatever was going on in high school, and your world was really tiny at that time. It was basically your parents and your immediate friends, and that was about it. And, like, this feels like that, but it still feels like it's part of a bigger world, just one that they don't have to, like, they just don't seem like they're forced into having to mention it. Whereas all of the Netflix shows, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all of them feel like they have to say, like, Well, good thing Iron Man's on vacation or something, because like otherwise, like, why the hell is he not there doing something right now? You know, like there's just always weird mentions of stuff on the other shows. So I thought those two things worked really well for me. I
2: I agree with you. Um, The thing that I uh, to add on to that is um, while it's kind of isolated, I still think the kids are so well written and so well acted that when they see something like a pair of gauntlets that shoot lightning or a mm-hmm. staff a staff that can like put up force fields or a raptor they're excited but they don't act like one of us would by like shitting our pants to be like lightning hands. What <laughs> the hell? Like, they, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they yeah. they they know the characters know that they live in a world where there is a guy with an Iron Man suit without having right. to say these are just like Iron Man's gloves. Like, right. it's just yeah, it's exactly. just very it's very well done. So, um, it is neat to like live like you said in this little pocket where. Um, you know, these teenagers are living their lives and then they're kind of thrust into this this thing. They still even at the end of season one, no spoilers, but they still don't know really what exactly is going on, which I think right. is great. Part of the show is a mystery. So, um, uh, you know, uh, without giving too much away, I would say, you know, if you're on the fence about it at all, if you like, you know, uh, if you like Marvel shows or if you like, you know, teen drama type stuff at all definitely check it out it's super cool it's really easily digestible too like that you'll fly through the episodes very very quickly
1: yeah i think that maybe the like i've had a couple people tell me there was apprehension because they thought it was just a cw show or something which like my two points to that would be like you should maybe try a cw show because some of them are actually really fun and easy to watch and like everything doesn't have to be high art at all times but uh the other (laughs) is that the pilot is a little slow I think the first probably two to three episodes are a little slow. I, and having seen the full first season, I can kind of tell them why now. Because I think they would have... Like, look, I, I think it lends... All these shows kind of do this where when it's 10 to 13 episodes, there's always a couple episodes that you're just like, are they stretching right now? Like, they are are they trying to get to the end? Like, they can't get to the end, so they have to, like, push an episode or two to get story, like, stretched a little bit. And I think as opposed to like daredevil or iron fist where it's usually episodes like eight and nine that drag just so slowly this one i think kind of front loaded that a little bit but i got through it because i really liked alex i really liked gert there were like a couple characters that i really loved uh in in the series that i was like oh these guys are funny and they're fun to watch and i think that's kind of where what got me through it so so those two like if you think it's a little slow give it a couple episodes the rest of the season kind of ramps up and, and moves without really any issue at all, I think, unless I'm missing an episode in my brain. But I think it after episode two, it kind of picks up and really goes. I agree. And now that it's
2: all available in one big chunk, yeah. uh, you can pretty easily binge it. Like, I actually watched them pretty much as they aired. I think it was like the first two and then uh, one every week. So it's, it's good, man. Definitely check it out, uh, you know, and uh, let us know what you think, because I like it.
0: Sweet um ash i wanted to ask you if you want to talk about hand of fate 2 at all because i talked about it when you weren't on the show and i know that you were playing it as well
2: yes um i may have talked about it in, in an episode with matt after oh, an fantastic. episode that you weren't on mm-hmm. so
1: all i say is that i hey guys, I, really, I say i want to hear about it a third time
2: i'll, I'll just <laughs> do the brief run a rundown um i like it quite a bit. It, it currently uh unless it's been patched in recent weeks but it was actually having some issues on my uh xbox one x uh, where it was uh, i was getting like yeah it was hanging up and stuff which was was really strange and um it's uh it was a problem i don't think with the game itself but sometimes U- unity can be a little weird when it's ported over from uh mm. from a pc game so i think it was uh, an engine problem that they were still probably trying to iron out some um some some things with it, but uh, yeah, I would get little uh, menu hangs and things like that that were like kind of getting under my skin, uh, just because like the Xbox One X can run like you know
0: Forza. Assassin's Creed, yeah.
2: yeah, it's like it's crazy. So uh, it shouldn't have been having the issues it was having, which kind of bugged me. But um, in general, I love Hand of Fate too. I plug it every time I can. It's just such a fun card collection strategy brawler and i already already said on this episode how much i love brawler so it kind of it does everything from like you know tabletop gaming to brawling all sort of wrapped into one package um so definitely check it out it's cool i never i never beat it it got really hard once i was like six or seven hours into it and i was like holy cow like i don't think i can do this just the requirements for like beating a map were so strict and i was like i
0: I yes. don't know if I have
2: the patience to do this over and over again until I meet those requirements. So, um, I kind of backed away from it just because you know I don't have unlimited time in life anymore. <laughs> so, but yeah, Hand of Fate two is a lot of, a lot of fun. Original is too. They're very very similar to one another. So,
0: yeah, I just I think the thing that I was going to add after playing it a little bit more was that I was starting to uh, notice that there were a lot more game mechanics I feel like they're trying to do more with the missions kind of playing more on the tabletop aspect of you know the the actual physical act of playing a tabletop game I feel like they're really trying to tap into that aspect of their game a little bit more uh more so even than in the first one because the first game really just had you know the card shuffling mini game and that was kind of it and then the rest of it was kind of like a lot of chance and combat but in you know in this game they've added the dice rolls uh they did you know, I, I was playing a mission where they did like a, it was kind of like a whodunit and you needed to do some investigative work uh, in the mission. So I just think that the mission variety uh, is really impressive too. So um, that's just why I want to kind of bring it up again and make sure that we were on the same page with the game, but hopefully they fix, uh, you know, the issues that you're having, uh, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it.
2: It's good stuff. I like it a lot.
0: Cool. All right. Scott, how,
2: uh, how up to date are you on S.H.I.E.L.D.?
0: um i am caught up on shield completely
1: okay i am too matt you're a couple behind i think we're like yeah i don't know how many but we're in the current run and i think we're maybe one or two behind so
2: so I guess we can just kind of do general um, – because this this arc, they're doing the same really thing. We haven't really talked that,
1: about S.H.I.E.L.D. in a while, so I feel like this is okay. Like we yeah, can talk-
2: that's kind of what I felt too. I was just thinking about like what I've been watching and playing, and like th- this is the last thing that I kind of watched. That I was like, oh, this is really good. Um, so uh, for those that haven't watched S.H.I.E.L.D. in a while, we're on season five. They're still doing um, – one thing I think is brilliant, they're kind of doing mini arcs where they're going to split the season into different chunks – uh, the first chunk is the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which are, I guess at this point I can say, they're kind of thrust into the future. Um, mm-hmm. They left you leaving last season thinking that they just went into space, but that's not really the case. They're actually in the future, and the space station they're on is an old S.H.I.E.L.D. base that is part of a broken-off chunk of the Earth. So the future that they're in has a, has a blown-up Earth, and uh, they're inside this old abandoned S.H.I.E.L.D. base, which is where the entirety I think of the five or six or seven, maybe even eight at this point episodes of the season have um, have taken place.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I'll start off talking about, I guess, quickly about the stuff that I really like. Uh, I, I I have started to really like the Cree the the Cree villain yeah i started off not liking him and then the past couple episodes the ones that matt hasn't seen yet made me actually really think that this is a great villain character so they did some really great writing for him Mm -hmm. and kind of changed his mustache twirly ways a little bit (laughs) um they did they they made him and i'm not going to spoil anything but they made him have um a lot of flaws and um and you know and just you realize that his main motivation is self-preservation sort of at all costs. Uh, and I, I think as a villain, he's been really great. Um, I think S.H.I.E.L.D. does suffer from the Marvel syndrome of having disposable villain characters mm-hmm. that just kind of, for the most part, get tossed out at the end of a season. Yeah. So um, I would love to see... You know, I would love to see some of these villains last for a really long time. So, you know, even beyond uh, a whole season, like into the next season. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like, because uh-huh. all of them, if you think about thinking about season one, it was uh, you had Bill Paxton was essentially mm-hmm. the main villain, and he got exploded. Obviously, uh, rest in peace, Bill Paxton. He's not coming back. And then oh. season two was uh, <laughs> was was more or less, I love Bill Paxton, so I didn't mean that in a snarky way. I literally meant, like, rest in peace, Bill Paxton. I love you, man. Uh, Next season was, like, Ward or something like that, who they did bring back uh, a couple different times. But, uh, you know, what I'm thinking is, like, why not, you know, bring these characters and and these villains back uh, for long periods of time to kind of harass the heroes? So Mm -hmm. what are your guys' initial thoughts on season five?
0: Well, I definitely, I mean, I like the fact that it's sort of, more sci-fi futuristic. I feel like uh, you know, a lot of the early SHIELD, it was sort of more location based, so it was like they're gonna travel to a secret facility and it was really just like you know, like I said, it was really more around like, look where we're visiting this week and, you know, we're gonna shoot on the streets of this place and then we're gonna go visit like a you know, ancient castle to go investigate this. And I I'm always a sucker for anything that's kind of like space related or or um you know set in that environment so um you know that that kind of does it for me and i like that there's like a little bit of mystery uh baked into it i wasn't really um the uh what was the the last season the ghost rider was yeah. you know like it was cool like it was all right but it just didn't like resonate with me like i was kind of like okay with the character or whatever but he was kind of like he felt like he was a little op anyways right so um I think that this feels like the tension is like a little bit more real in this season, I suppose, but I, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I, I just, I think that the, the real measure is that I want to see what happens next. And so, you know, I keep turn, tuning in each week to see how this story unfolds. So I'm excited to see where it's going.
1: Um, I mean, what Ash said interests me mildly more. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> at all. I can't stand them. It's like, it just feels like bad sci-fi, and it feels like it feels very rote. And I, it's making me long for the days when they were just super spies, like with mystery going mm. on around them. Mm. And and like I'm gonna keep watching. I, I'm not gonna quit because I like I like the fact that this show exists. And like Inhumans was a great example of how how wrong these things can go, you know. And I don't right, know. Right. That, I don't know that Shields really done that. Like Shields not bad by any means. It's just. We've talked about it every season they do this kind of like giant reset button. um, And that's a little tiring, I guess, like or taxing. It's just it's just kind of like, okay, well, we're going to spin up a new storyline. And I know they kind of need to do that to move the way they're doing their story arcs along. But it's just it's like you said, like, I wish a villain would stick around. I wish anything would be like kind of set in this world. And I think, you know, almost as a counter note to Runaways, S.H.I.E.L.D. is so beholden to the movie universe and to the other TV shows that they get stuck. And I think this was their way of like, okay, we're going to get out ahead of anything else that that's going on right now. Like we're going to remove ourselves from the movie universe entirely essentially is what they did. And, and like do our own story, which I think is really interesting. It just, there's something about network sci-fi that is just always so like cheesy, I guess is the word to me. It just never comes off right. And some of the stuff looks good. And some of it looks like the, but um, I don't know. I, I know that I was watching on Instagram. I saw that Clark Gregg uh, directed the last two episodes, which are the two I didn't see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so maybe those—that's part of why it was a little bit more fun and focused. Like I think that I think the acting—I still love all the characters. I still love all the actors. Like I, there's no reason I'm bailing on the show. I just—I will say that I started the season. And I just kind of was like, okay, and then and then I started watching it some more, and I was like, I don't know if I'm really digging this at all. And then. And it just, yeah, the more I've watched it, the more I'm like, man, I wish they were just, like, on a plane trying to guess who the bad guy that infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. is, you know? Like, it's a more, that's more interesting to me, I guess, at the end of the day. I don't know. No, so. I don't think you're wrong, man. Like, I think,
2: honestly, up until these last two episodes, I felt 100% the same way. And I think it had a little bit to do with the sets, and no offense to the people that made the sets, but they felt like sets to me. Um yeah. And, um... And I I just kind of I wasn't pulled in the way that I should have been like them being in this, you know, crazy space station type situation. Right. Um, I even said to you guys on Slack, I'm like, oh, I'm getting serious, like Deep Space Nine vibes off of these first couple episodes, Um, which, you know, uh, is a good thing and a bad thing, depending on how much you like shows like that. But Mm -hmm. uh, like Matt, I like the secret agent. He stuff. That's why I like the show. And. Um, I like the fact that there's people on the show that have powers now. Um, I will say, they're doing one of my major qualms on shows like this. Don't give your fucking characters powers and then... take them away with some cockamamie Uh, bullshit because you don't want the
1: old singerism
2: (laughs) yes don't do it don't do it like i understand like if if they have to be undercover and not use their powers that makes sense but don't put like a inhibitor chip up their butt uh for six episodes and be like all right like
1: (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) just like figure out another way
1: there's also like a little thing that's getting to me and I don't want this to be like a shit on shield hour. It's not at all. Like I think the show is, is fine. It's just, I'm just kind of like, you know, it's five seasons in. Like I think this is what starts happening. Things either get a little, a little rote, or they, or they try something and maybe sometimes it doesn't work. I don't know for Mm. some of us, but, um, uh, the other thing that gets me is they're doing the other thing that I don't like, which is the polar opposite of that. And I guess what I'm gathering from what you just said is that they, they take it away. But, uh, is that they're making Daisy out to be this like giant powered superhero. Oh yeah. And I kind of, and I always just want to be like, Hey guys, in the comic books, every hero isn't like fucking Thor. Like there are plenty of superheroes who just like my fingernails get real long and sharp. And you're like, okay, what can you do that? They're like, slice things. You know, (laughs) (laughs) this, this show is definitely kind of
0: following in. Like it's, it's almost like following its own tropes at this point. And now we're back to a point again where it's like, Again, Daisy is now the most important human being in the entire universe again this season. And it's just like, come on.
1: And it's just kind of like, if that was the case, again, if that was the case, don't you think like Captain America would just like pop in through the side door and be like, hey, we got to get that girl. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like (laughs) when you do that, when you tell these stories that try to be so grandiose that you're like this giant thing happened, you're like, you're kind of like, okay, but really, guys, like, can't we just have like something about S.H.I.E.L.D. just being the team? on the plane, even when one of them was super powered and there was like a little bit of like push and pull with that, like, there's there's interesting stuff that can be there, like like um, Yo-Yo, her power isn't crazy big and they're not making it out to be crazy big she's like a really great utility player and can do stuff, you know, and I don't know, there's just something about when, when a story, I guess it's probably because when a story goes long enough and they're trying to find interesting hooks, you know, one of them is like well, our main character is this big super powered character and we can make her even bigger, you know, or whatever, and it's just that that's always gotten to me. Where you're like, everything doesn't have to be giant. Like, we, things can be small and compact, and you know, they can still be and great. That, and I
2: think that's that's what Runaways does really well. Is like yeah. they have they have these powers and stuff, and they will use them occasionally. But it, uh, I think, like I said, they did a great job of making it feel like it's a world where things like that can happen. Mm-hmm. They yeah. just don't happen on the reg. You know, it's a, right. it's like sort of like an occasional occasional time you'll see a little girl lift a semi you know
1: yeah <laughs> right but right, right right but yeah so I mean I'm gonna catch up to you guys and it's good to hear that the show's fixed I didn't hate the villain I just the whole Cree storyline is just kind of it's, it's like that it's it's what you feared like guardians would be or whatever which is like this weird take on on the on the space side of Marvel which is very weird the comics are super weird and if you follow them too closely I think you get kind of schlocky as opposed to Right, right. Well, yeah,
2: definitely watch those last two and let us know, because I think think you're going to like them. They're definitely my favorite
1: so far. There's some good stuff. Agreed.
0: Okay. I agree. Uh, Well,
1: just to close out the show really quick, we don't have to spend a long time, because I did an in-depth review, I think, pretty in-depth of Shadow of War a few episodes ago. I have beaten the game at this point. Uh, I am not going to ever 100% it, because it's uh, an insane process to 100% this game, but uh, there were about four different or four or five different um storylines you could follow to hundred percent, and those were all kind of narrative in different ways, which was pretty cool. Um there was one where there was like an orc rebellion that you were dealing with, one was the main storyline against Sauron, and then there was uh, a couple other like side ones that had to do with you personally and in, in the history of Calabrimdor, the elf that you are or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um the, the point I wanted to make about the game is it is very open world. <laughs> it gets stuck in a bunch of open world kind of ruts on occasion where you feel like you're doing this. It's like, wow, you know, where you're like, am I collecting teeth again? Like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll go collect teeth again, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> and it kind of started getting that way. Um, I will say if you decide to pick it up, if you haven't picked it up yet and you want to play, it, it's still fun and the, the mechanics are still really smooth. Uh, what I will say is it suffers very heavily from you sitting in the first world way too long and then when you get out to the other regions of the map and you start doing those you will tear through them so at the end of the game I'm playing like game ending storylines right Mm -hmm. the way I was doing them was I would show I would fast travel to the region I needed to be in I would immediately summon a drake because you can fly drakes now in this game at the end. Okay. I wow. would jump I would jump on my drake, fly 3,000 like miles essentially across the map, <laughs> jump off my drake, order my drake to just fly around and murder everything around me, and then I would just walk. I would basically sprint through the map to the point that I had to get to, like in the s- smaller map. Murder the guy in, like, I don't know, 10 minutes. <laughs> like, it was insanely... Like, I had overpowered to the point where I was, like, level 42 and all of the bad guys were, like, level 20. Oh, boy. And like, like you can sit in one part of the map way too long. I left the first region at level 20 and you probably were supposed to leave at, like, 10 or 12. Ah. So if if you're playing... Uh, don't be afraid to further the map and go out. They are very clear when you're at endgame moments in story. so like there's only one storyline that will actually be an end game storyline and it tells you when you get to it like there's no going back once you click go on this one um, But I will say that it it sort of weirdly man it's like a theme sort of weirdly along the lines of shield it suffers from having to live within the Lord of the Rings world and not really being able to screw with it too much Mm -hmm. because this story is so big they they kind of expanded from your story was kind of a story of vengeance in the first one and this one's more about like literally the war for the ring kind of around it Right. so they can only do so much before you're like screwing with main characters from the movies and books and uh, it hits that point where you you get there and then you kind of just can't like the story ends in a way that you're just like huh So so uh, just know that going in, if you're going in just for a nice, like sprawling open world game with great animation and and a couple that the the Orc Rebellion storyline especially is is good and like funny and it plays out really well. I think the only reason I didn't love the ending was just because I was so overpowered that I had done the thing that I had to do to play through that narrative. Like it was a narrative that was supposed to teach you about taking over different regions and defending them and stuff. Right. Right, right. But I had waited so long to finish it that I had done that four times over by the time I did it. <laughs> yeah. For the that's for the like one the, with him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so that's, it's making it, an open world game is a, a tricky thing cuz everyone's yeah. going to play differently, you know.
1: Yeah, and that's that's kind of like they it could have probably dealt with some better guidance on where which storylines you should play when kind of thing. Um cuz you could literally go wherever you wanted at any point in time. Uh so just know that going in, it is a really good game but don't stick around too long in one area you'll kind of feel it if you hit an area where all the bad guys are like level 33 and you're level 16 well then you probably went to the wrong area and you should leave and go come back later Mm -hmm. you know but but uh but overall I wasn't unhappy I just will say the storyline the actual main narrative was a little bit of a letdown and the rest of the game played through pretty well so you know still happy but but I figured I'd do a little closeout since I actually beat an open world game which is stupid. Yeah, I, I mean, know when you said when you said awesome. that, I
2: was like, "Whoa, that's cool!"
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Scott and so. I are usually the ones that torture ourselves with uh, completing those
1: things. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw. Well, there's at- also there's oh. five collection paths too, and I'm not. That's why I'm not going to hundred percent. It's like go collect uh, insignias, and then go collect. Um, oh. There's like, oh my god, there's so many, and I'm like, there's no. I'm not. I'm not running around the map just collecting things at this point. So
0: yeah, it turns like a, you know, like a what could be a 40 to 60 hour game to like a hundred hour game. And then it's, it's one of those things where I think people, when you ask them, like, you know, will you pay $60 for a a campaign that's 10 hours long? And they're like, no. And then you give them a game that's like 120 hours. And they're like, this game has too much filler in it, you know? And it's like, well, (laughs) well, what do you want? Like they, so now designers have to put this stuff in here to make you feel like you're getting your money's worth. But then, and I'm not saying you, but when, Right. When people sit down to play these games, you look at the collectibles and go like, "Okay, no thank you i don't I'm not gonna do that right so yeah, yeah, uh, I think it's it's a function of you know checking boxes or whatever in order to uh extend the length of the game, which is in my opinion completely unnecessary because you played a campaign, and for the most part, we're satisfied with your experience and so mm-hmm. what else what else does there need to be in the game? You're happy with it, right so
1: yeah, yeah, well, there's um, also a whole online component too I mean oh, it's well. insane how much this game has it's, yeah it's ridiculously big, but <laughs> mm-hmm you know
0: and then of course like down, if guys. that's the case like the you know a normal human being a normal consumer can only really play a couple of those games each year right so it really kind of limits your right. exposure to what you're able to enjoy gaming wise throughout the year too so it's it's like it's a it's a whole big thing yeah but i'm glad you like the game which if, if you had to like let's say i've never played either game and you'd had mm-hmm. to make a recommendation for someone to play either the first or the second one what would you tell them
1: i mean there's way more to the second one mm-hmm like the first one, I think Ash and I talked about this year, years ago or whatever when we reviewed it. The first one's really fun, and the and the actual gameplay is is so like ridiculously smooth. They borrowed from all the right games, you know, they borrowed from Batman and and uh, Assassin's Creed and stuff. Um, but the second game definitely improved on that a little bit. But there's just more. To sort of do in this game so i would say probably just pick up the you don't need to know the storyline i mean the reality is that neither one of the storylines are so strong that you're like that's what happened like i mean it's like <laughs> right clearly you know like you got vengeance in the first one and the second one you're you're dealing with with literally sauron which is kind of i mean i'll let you guys guess how it ends because there there are books and movies that exist <laughs> post, <laughs> post this game so <laughs> mm, yeah yeah. So uh but I would say pick up the second one and play. It the the animations are there are moments in the animation that it looks so good that you kind of you just get set back for a second. You're like, "Holy cow cuz it'll pull out." And then you'll realize that it it's in game like animatics and then it'll close in and you just start playing. And like it never mm-hmm. did it like it, they do cutaways and stuff, but some of it's just so nice that you're—it's really easy to play. But I mean, it's—it's it's an easy game to play. It's just very open world, and you can kind of get stuck in it. So I would say just pick up this one and
0: know awesome. that. Awesome,
1: cool, good stuff. I'll still get it eventually. Yep. Yeah, I mean, wait for it to be on sale. The online components of it are are a and aren't—you don't like—it's not like Division or something where we would both play together. It's just kind of like we would mm-hmm. see each other as as people that we can go attack on the map or, or that we can help or whatever. So. All
2: right. There you go.
0: Yeah, always well, good, good when stuff, you find guys. a game that you like yeah good yeah. times
1: cool
2: well thanks everybody for listening to episode 296 of the rated na podcast um it's good to be back uh you can find us on twitter and that's at nerd appropriate say hi to us there you go to our facebook page which is slash nerd appropriate on facebook um we of course have both twitch tv and mixer um you can find us there I don't remember what our mixer is. I always forget, but we're it's, slash nerd appropriate right, on Twitch.
0: It's slash nerd appropriate on Mixer, <laughs> but then we're, we're, I don't even, I don't, I, can't, I need to see if they still do teams. You but. are murdering
1: Scott's inside yeah. every time you do this. It's just nerd appropriate. You don't know Because,
0: it's your handle it's just your handle
1: every, every time I ask I feel like Scott's answer gets longer
0: no it's just your, it's just, <laughs> all right, your handle look,
1: there's, your group is rated your team is NA your slash is nerd appropriate oh, like, I don't
2: know what that is too much for me to remember uh, anyway you can send us uh, all an email at nerds at nerdappropriate.com please say hi to us there and um, got some fun stuff lined up for some upcoming episodes so, so stay tuned and we will be back with more bye yeah Right. Later, everybody. I feel, I feel like the PS4 for triggers um are super loosey goosey too. So mm-hmm. like for me and for me the, the controller just feels I guess because the Xbox controller is larger, whenever I hold the PS4 controller, I'm like, this thing's tiny. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't feel right in my hands. Yeah. In my hands. In my Seriously. hands
0: again. Honestly.